Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Colonel. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. Well? Nobody? First service loved that one. They really liked it. Wow, that's how it's going to be. All right. Hey, it's so good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, for those of you that I haven't met before, my name is Steve Maxwell. My wife and I are the youth pastors here at Homestead. We love this church. If I'm going to be honest, though, I like the teenagers the best. They're so cool. They're so awesome. Y'all are great, but the teenagers, they're awesome. I love it. Uh, so I'm super excited to be here this morning to be able to share with you. I just got back from Iringa, Tanzania, that is in Africa. And so I had the opportunity to go over there with a team of youth pastors. Uh, so it was a Minnesota district youth pastor trip. And our district youth director, he called me um, about two months ago. And he says, hey, I'm going to Africa. You want to come with? I'm like, yeah, when is it? He's like, next month. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. Because you don't say no to Africa. Like when you have the opportunity to go, you got to go. So I said yes. And, and so we all met at the airport. And 24 hours later, we landed in, in Oringa, Tanzania. And it was a life-changing experience. It really was. And so I'm just excited to be able to share a little bit of that. Hopefully you can get a glimpse of what I experienced over there. Now the reason that I was able to go on this trip was because of our homestead students. If you didn't know this, Minnesota Assemblies of God, we believe in missions. We believe in missions. We believe in looking to the needs of the world and seeing how we can meet those needs. And so like Pastor Jeff said, we have a student-led missions organization called Speed the Light. It's student-led. And so students raise money, raise funds to send to missionaries and missionary projects all over the world. A little fun fact for you. Last year, Minnesota students, just Minnesota Assembly of God students, gave $2.2 million for missions. Isn't that crazy? It's incredible. And so one of the projects that we support is water wells. And so that's why I was able to go over there and see, because there is a need to get clean water to people who don't have it. I got to brag on our homestead students a little bit. Uh, last year, they gave over $21,000 to this to provide clean water to people, to help set people free from human trafficking, provide uh, Bibles to people, uh, you know, help support missionaries, get vehicles. And so it was, it's just amazing to see um, the impact that our students are making in this world. And so I want to share with you this morning a little bit about that. I have lots of pictures and, and stuff I want to share. And so what I first want to do is just kind of show you the need that we saw over there. So you can throw up that first picture. So this is in one of the villages that we went to that does not have a clean water source. And so they said, hey, we want to show you our natural water source. And so they said, let's go down to the river. And this is where they brought us. That doesn't look like a river to me, right? Apparently during the rainy season, some water actually builds up in here. But most of the year, this is what their river looks like. And so early in the morning, the women and the children have to get down here to get their water. Now, why do they have to go early? There's only limited water. There's limited water. And once the water runs out for that day, then everyone else is out of luck. And so they go down early in the morning, and they dig, and they dig. And so they kind of showed us how, how they did it. And it took a long time. It took 15 minutes before they even hit water. And then we saw water. We're like, oh, awesome. And they started scooping it out. And this is what it looked like. Would you drink that? I wouldn't. This is the only water that they have access to. This is what they bring home to their families to give their kids to drink, uh, to cook with, to clean with. This is all that they have. 
So I mentioned that the water may run out. So what does the rest of the village do? Because we can't live without water. And so we said, so what do, what, do, what do you do if you don't get water that day, if you're one of the ones who wasn't lucky enough? And they said, well, then we go to the next water source. We said, oh, great. Can you show us that one? And they're like, oh, yeah, it'll be about a four-hour walk. Four hours they have to travel to go get this to bring home. Four hours, you guys, four hours back. So it takes time. It takes effort. And at the end of the day, they know that they're bringing home something that could kill their family, but it's the only option that they have. We went to another village. Uh, you can show this next picture here. This is a village that actually has a clean water source, um, but they wanted to show us what they used to have to do to get water. And so actually their river has a little bit more water in it. But as you can see, there's donkeys right there. And if you were able to look all around, uh, you would actually see lots of animals. So it was wild animals and it was livestock. This is their water source too. And so the animals are living in the water, right? They're drinking the water, they're bathing in the water, they're doing other things that they do in the water. And then the next picture, this was right next to this, and this is where they would get their water. So they'd come down here where all the animals are sitting in the water and they'd scoop up their water and it looked just like that water in the yellow bucket. And one of the coolest moments happened uh, right here. Because remember I said, this is a village that has clean water now. And so they brought us down to the river and they showed us how they used to get their water. She filled up a bucket. And then they're like, all right, let's go. We want to show you our village. We want to show you our church. We want you to see the new water source. And I almost missed this moment. I'm so glad I didn't. But as we turned to kind of walk away, I look back. And you know what she did with that bucket full of water? She dumped it out. And it, oh, that got me. Because they don't have to live like that anymore. They don't have to drink that water anymore. And so she was able to throw it out because she knew she could walk up to the village and get clean water. And so that was a really, really impactful moment for me. We went to another uh, village where they said they had a well. This next picture here. They said, we have a hand-dug well. And so we're like, oh, that's, that's awesome. So maybe the need for clean water isn't as uh, important in this, in this village. And, and so they dropped the bucket down and water came right up, a bucket full of water. It looked pretty clear. And, and one of the leaders there that was helping us said, would you guys drink this water? And all of us are like, honestly, yeah, like it looks pretty clean. And he said, this water is actually some of the most deadly water. It may look clean, but it's not clean. And so in this area where they live, all the animals who live around this, all of their stuff goes into the ground and gets into the water system. And then he says, look behind you about 20 meters. And we look back and there was a cemetery. He said, that's been there 50 to 100 years. All of that is decomposing and it's going into their water. And that's what they're giving their kids and their families because that's the only option that they have. This next picture, I uh, said that, you know, a lot of women would have to walk for eight hours a day. Can you imagine carrying a five-gallon bucket full of water on your head? You guys, we were able to see some of the women who've been doing this their whole life. Their head literally is misshapen because of this burden that they carry, like a literal burden that they carry. And so it's just incredible to see the ramifications that this has had in their communities. And they've been doing this forever. So the need was pretty obvious. And I think I can convey it to you. Like the need there is pretty obvious because water is essential for life. Like we take it for granted because we just access it so easily. But we can't live without this and neither can they. And these people don't have access to the most basic necessity for a quality of life. And as we talked to pastors and leaders in the area, they all stressed how lack of clean water just affects so many areas of their life. 
It affects their health. It affects their time. It affects their finances. He said it even just affects the joy or the hope. Like it's like there's just a hopelessness, a heaviness in these villages because there is so much focus on trying to get water. We don't have to work for it. Like, we just wake up and we have it. But their whole life is around, are we going to have enough water today? Are we going to be able to get enough water? Am I going to have to walk for water? So much time, so much effort, so much stress, and the health concerns as well. I want you to imagine for a second, put yourself in one of these villages. They are way out there. Like, you guys, we took the big planes in, and then we had to get on the little plane, the 12-seater, and we flew that one a couple hours, and then we got in a truck and drove a couple hours. They're way out there. And some of these people said that they've never left their village in their entire life. Can you imagine that? There's no transportation. There's no way for them to get out. This is their life. This is what their parents did and their grandparents did, and this is what they do. And so I just want you to imagine what it would be like, how life-changing it would be to then all of a sudden be able to turn on a tap and have access to clean water. Like it would be life-changing. And that's where our students come in. Our students, Minnesota students, they caught the vision and the heartbeat of Jesus and what he's trying to do in our world. And our students saw a need in the world and they stood up and said, we can do something about it. Now our students aren't dumb and our students are not naive because they know and they have said that there are so many needs in the world. There's so much pain. There's so much hurt. How could our little crew, how could we really affect all these needs in the world? They know they can't. But they said this. What if we all got really passionate about one need? What if we all came together and sacrificed and raised awareness and, and gave money and raised money so that people could have clean water? And that's exactly what Minnesota students did. You want to see what our students did? She can show the next picture. Our students were a part of this. Minnesota students bought this $400,000 drilling rig that's in Oringa, Tanzania right now, drilling water wells. And so we got to see this bad boy in action. This was two weeks old, and we got to see it drill its first hole. It was amazing. You can show the next picture. And so they're out there drilling. And it was like, it was so cool to actually see it with my own eyes. Go to the next one here. Speed of light right on there. You guys, I always knew it was real. Like, I didn't think the organization was fake. I didn't think we were scamming kids. Like, but there was something about actually seeing it with my eyes. And when I, like, put my hand up to, like, touch that door right there, my hand was, like, shaking. Like, there was, like, God did a work in me in that moment to see, like, this is real. Like, this is what our students did. This is what they're a part of. Like, this isn't just a game. This isn't just some little fundraiser. Like, people's lives are literally being changed a legacy, like, like generation after generation is going to be changed because of our students. It was so cool to be able to see them drill that uh, first hole, and the people of the village were surrounding there. They were very close because there's no OSHA, okay? There's no OSHA, and I could tell the workers were like, eh, everyone's really close, right? Uh, but, man, we were lucky enough to be there when that drill bit hit water, and the water shot out, and the people in that village just went crazy, we wouldn't have done that because we're like, oh, water, whatever. But this was like, we're going to have a well here. They like had hope. They had joy. There was, they could see a future. They could see a different future for their kids. And so it was amazing. Uh, this next picture here is of a church that is about 100 feet from where they're drilling. That's not on accident. Okay, they purposely placed these wells outside of churches. And so we went into this church to pray for the local pastor because we went into villages that have a new well. 
that have clean water, and we saw how it affected the church. And so we knew that something's about to happen in this congregation, that he's going to have more people in his care, that people are going to come to know Jesus. And so we prayed for him for wisdom and for leadership and insight so he could build up a team of leaders. And, and as we were praying, no altar call, no sermon, three people in his village came to know Jesus Christ. You want to know why? They asked, why is, why, why is this happening here? Like, why are, why are we getting this drilling rig? Why are they drilling this hole? And we were able to tell them, there's a group of teenagers in Minnesota who love Jesus with their whole heart. And there's so much love in them that it's overflowing, and it's caused them to take action and caused them to give and to sacrifice so that you guys can have clean water. And through that, the Spirit of God spoke to them, and they experienced God, and they became saved. Isn't that incredible? That's what your students are doing. That's the change that your students are making in our world. And so now in these villages that have had a well put in, this is where they go and get their water, a water source. They just turn on the tap. And these well systems are amazing. Uh, the, the organization that it's done through is called WorldServe. And so they, they drill the well. They put in the well. There's a pump. They have holding tanks. They have solar panels. That's how it's all powered. And then... These are the distribution sites. So there could be one of these in a village. There could be eight of these in a village, depending on how big the village is, so that people don't have to travel very far to get their water. And you may say, well, what happens if something breaks? I'm so glad you asked. I'd love to tell you. WorldServe is amazing because if a part on this well breaks, they get a, no a notification at their offices in the United States. This part broke on this pump in this village. Two days, they can have the part out there and have it fixed so that th these people don't have to go without water. You may say, how do they pay to repair it? I'm so glad you asked. I'd love to tell you. WorldServe works directly with these villages to take ownership of these wells. And so these people, they pay for their water just like we do. They get a bill at the end of the month. They pay for their water. Now, it's very, very minimal. Every household can afford it. They told us there's not one, there's not one person in that village who can't afford to have the water. But they pay for it so they can maintain it. And they can take ownership over it. So that way when something breaks, when something goes wrong, the village comes together and takes care of it. Because they have realized if we have clean water, we have life. If we have clean water, we have health. And so they don't see this as, oh, yay, the Americans brought us clean water. We're good. No, it's, this is generation after generation. If we can maintain this, we are going to be a people that thrives and grows. And so I just think that is so, so cool. Uh, we had someone on the trip with us who is a videographer and does media, just does an amazing job at it. And so he made a video for you guys uh, to just kind of give you an idea of what I was able to experience over there. So just to kind of wrap up this part of the, the talk today, I wanted to show you that video. So go ahead and check this out. standing here right now with a rig. I don't know if you can see behind me, but it's a brand new rig, two weeks old. We're on site drilling its first uh, location here. Uh, we are just so excited, so thankful for what you're doing, for your giving. It's, it's making a difference. We've been in villages across this area and, and everywhere we put a well, it's like the church has exploded in growth. It's impact, making an impact, not just physically, but spiritually. This well, we drilled it a year ago, but then we didn't have a pump. We got a pump uh, eight months ago. Yeah. So the church is probably at least 
doubled in size, if not more. Im sure. Immediately, sure. immediately. This is it, a brand new spot. We're getting ready to start drilling right here in this location right next to the church. And so thanks for what you're doing and how you're impacting this country through Speed the Light. It's been incredible to be here in Tanzania and to be able to see the different water well projects. When we go to a village that does have a new water well, clean water, uh, it's been transformational for that village. The village is growing and thriving. You can even sense it in the joy of the people there. They're just so thankful to have just this essential thing that we take for granted. The churches are thriving and growing here. Um, even like they're having to build new buildings because the churches are full of people. And so that was really, really encouraging. Um, been able to see thousands and thousands of people who have been impacted by clean water wells um, and as cool as that is there are so many other villages and so many other people who still are waiting to have access to clean water thank you for all that you're doing you're so encouraging to us and man you are truly uh, helping people providing clean water people are being saved here coming to know Jesus but there's still more work to do Pretty awesome, right? It was amazing. It was amazing to see the difference that our students are making in the world in a real and tangible way. And, and even more than that, it was so encouraging to see that our God is still alive and active and that he is helping people, he is serving people, and he is uh, drawing people to him and people are being saved all over the world. And you know what also was really refreshing was getting away from our culture. It was really refreshing get out, getting away from first world, getting away from the American church, and just to be able to see how different people live, to see how our brothers and sisters are things that they're going through, and yet they still have the joy of the Lord. Um, if you've never been on a missions trip, uh, I would encourage you to go. Go to a third world country. Um, you guys, we have it so easy here. We won the lottery. Like, we have it so easy here, it's, and we need to put things into perspective. We need to see what's going on in the global church because we're not an American church. We're a global church. And so our brothers and sisters who live in these different countries, who have these different struggles, who speak these different languages, those are our brothers and sisters, and they're a part of our church. And so we got to get out of this mindset of looking inward or thinking of us as an American church. We are a global church. So why am I sharing this today? Why does it matter? Like, am I here just to tell you about this cool trip that I went on or to make you appreciate things more, to make you feel bad? No, none of those things. Uh, today I'm here because, church, this is a call to action. This is a call to action for us as believers in Christ. We need to be a church that has a missional heart. We need to be a church that looks outside of ourselves, looks to the needs in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and yes, globally, and says, how can we reach those people? How can we meet needs? How can we tell people about Jesus? And church, we need to look to the example of our young people who have caught the vision of Jesus Christ and have caught the vision of missions. Because man, they are incredible. We have some incredible students who have caught this vision. And so I want to introduce you to one of them who's going to share with you today a little bit about what she's doing for missions and why it's so important to her. So would you welcome Megan Van Heel? <laughs> 
Um, my name is Megan Van Heel, and just going off of what Steve said, why is it so important? Why are we trying to raise money for this? I think the name of the organization really speaks volume to that, Speed the Light. The Bible talks about how Jesus is our light. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, if we give $100, it's not only $100 that we're giving, but it's $100 in God's hands that he can continue to spread like the loaves of bread and the fish. Um, each of us youth students are challenged to come up with a goal of how much money we want to raise. For example, after the, this service, our youth students will be going out and raking leaves in an attempt to raise more money. Um, personally, what I'm doing to raise money is I am creating sweatshirts. At this previous camp, this past fall, there was a preacher who talked about how we are all made in the Imago Dei. We are made in the image of God. Um, Genesis 127 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. As well as Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 100% of the profits that I get from the sweatshirts go directly to Speed the Light. Um, if you scan the link, it'll lead you to the website. If you click on the product, which you'll only see the white sweatshirt, but if you click on the product, there are three different colors that you can choose from. Yeah. If, oh, and if you order today, <laughs> I'm ordering right after the service, so if you order today, you'll get the sweatshirt a lot sooner. Yeah. Give it up for Megan. <laughs> you see why I like teenagers so much? That is the caliber of student that we have here at Homestead. Incredible. Caught the vision of what God's trying to do and says, hey, I can do something. I can be a part of it. I want to be a part of the greatest movement that's ever happened. And so Megan's doing that. So this is not just about clean water. All right. This is about the fact that Jesus met people at a well 2000 years ago, and he's still doing that today. He's still meeting people at the well. They come for clean water. You know what they leave with? The living water. Holla. <laughs> right. Like it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> It's incredible the way that he worked 2,000 years ago. He's still doing that very same thing today. And so for the, the end of this message today, I want to dive in, into some text, some scripture this morning, some of my favorite scripture in the Bible, because really it's like a kick in the face for me. It's like just so obvious what we're called to do. So James 2, starting in verse 14, will be up on the screen. It says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You guys, when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we are saved because of what he did on the cross. There is nothing that I can do and nothing that you can do to earn that salvation. But when we experience God, when we invite him into our life, he changes our heart and his love flows through us, which causes us to want to serve people, which causes us to want to do good deeds, to meet needs in the world. Jesus was all about meeting people's needs and then introducing them to his father. Have you noticed that in the Bible? He meets people's physical needs, and he says, hey, I want to introduce you to my father. Church, if we were out on the street, and we saw someone who was starving to death, and as believers in Jesus, we went up to them, and we said, hey, we'll be praying for you, and then we walked away, 
what does that say to that person? Because in that moment, they're going, okay, these are the people who claim to believe in the one true God. They claim to have love that's overflowing. They see I'm starving, and they didn't even give me a sandwich, right? Doesn't that seem a little backwards? We're called to meet physical needs and introduce people to Jesus. We have to meet people's physical needs. When we say yes to a life with Jesus, he says, all right, I want to build a relationship with you. I want to grow you. I want to mold you but I have work for you to do. You guys, that's his whole plan. How does the kingdom move forward? He wants to do a work through me and you. And so if we don't step into our calling, if we don't step into the work that God has called us to do, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna meet the need? Who's gonna meet the physical and the spiritual need? He has called us to do it. What are we called to do as believers? Meet people's needs, introduce them to Jesus. And so I have a call to action for us today as the church, as believers, a few things that I think we need to do. The first thing is this. We need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes to the things that are going on in our world. And that goes from things happening in your neighborhood all the way to across the world. We're called to live out missionally locally and globally. I'm talking about your neighbor, not just seeing them as the person who lives next door, but seeing them as someone who is made in Imago Dei, made in the image of God. I'm talking about when I'm in Oringa, Tanzania, it's not just a little boy who doesn't have clean water, that's a little boy who's made in Imago Dei, in the image of God. Jesus wants us to actually see people, to see their hurt, to see their pain, to see their needs, and then we say, what can we do about it? And imagine if all of us as the church, Homestead, and all of us as the church, Minnesota, and all of us as the church, the United States, and all of us as the church globally, is doing that. You know how much change there would be in this world? That's what we're called to do. So that's the first thing. We need to open our eyes. Second thing is this. Go. Go on a missions trip. Missions trips are the best way to get out of our church bubble. It's so easy to just sit in this place and look inward. We need to see what's going on in the world. We need to see what people are struggling with, see people that are hurting. We have it so easy here. And you know what? Pain is pain and hurt is hurt. And I'm not trying to minimize things that we go through here in America because God sees that. He sees you. He cares for you. But all I'm saying is we sometimes need a little perspective change. We often talk about persecution in the American church. And after being in Oringa, Tanzania, the stuff we call persecution, laughable. Laughable. The stuff that these people are going through, we heard about a pastor who is uh, in Zanzibar, which is an island just off the coast of Tanzania. And the locals who don't like Christianity in that area found out who he is and what he's doing. And so he, now he's on the run. They're, they have threatened to murder him and his family. That's happening right now. That wasn't 100 years ago. That was, I was there two weeks ago, and that's what's happening. Like those are the things that some of our brothers and sisters are going through. So no, we never minimize the pain we have or the things that we go through. But sometimes, man, we just got to open our eyes and get a little perspective change to the things that are happening around us. Uh, we need to go because it's so easy for us to turn inward and be self-centered. And church, if we become a church that looks inward, we will become a dying church. We will be a church that's not effective at reaching people, be a church that doesn't meet people's needs. And that is not what we want. Short-term missions is just as much for you as it is for the people that you are serving. And so over in Tanzania, we met a need. 
We served those people. Our students did. They have clean water. But you want to know what? When I was there, they served me far more than I served them. They showed me how to live for Jesus. They showed me how to be grateful for what I have. They showed me that I'm called to something greater and, and that there's things that God wants to do for me. So missions is just as much for you and your faith walk as it is for the people that you are serving. Now, you may be saying, oh, I don't know. Missions trip, that makes me nervous. I don't know if I'm ready to go out of the country. I don't know if I'm ready for that. That's all right. We can start, we can start small. Um, Brooke and I, on Friday night, we went down to the inner city. ICCM Life Center is a church there. Amazing church, Assemblies of God Church down there, and one of Brooke's good friends works at that church, and every Friday night, they go out from 7 to 9 uh, on what's called their street team, and they just minister to the people in their community. You want to know who their people are? Homeless people, meth addicts, prostitutes, so on and so forth, and so they go to encampments, and they go to homeless shelters, and they set up their table, and they have hot dogs, and they have supplies, and gloves, and hats, because it's getting cold, and these people come out, they know them by name, they pray with them, they help them, they give them food. They're ministering to their community. And so Brooke and I had a chance to be a part of that. And, and man, you just see things that you're like, man, this happens 30 minutes from where we live. Like people live in these conditions. People are struggling with these kinds of things and it's close to home. That's why I'm saying missions is local and abroad. Like it's gotta be something we walk out wherever we are. And so we're gonna start doing that more. We're gonna start going down there every six weeks or so. So I wanna encourage you, join us. We'd love to have a team of homes of people. You know, we can pack up hats and gloves and stuff and, and head down there and just minister to people, pray with people, let people know uh, that there's a God out there that loves them. So that's the second thing. We got to go. That can look very different, but uh, I'm, I'm saying we got to go locally, but at some point you got to go abroad as well. You got to go to a third world country. You got to see what our brothers and sisters are dealing with over there. Next thing is this, support. We need to support missions causes. There are some people who are called to a life devoted to missions, where they pack up, they sell their house, they quit their job, and they literally move across the world to minister to people. Church, the least that we could do for our missionary brothers and sisters is support them. The least we can do is to fully fund them and throw resources at them, to have a wind, just be the wind in their sails, to say, man, we know what you do is hard work. We know what you do must be super hard and you know, seeing the need every single day. You're in the thick of it. But as the church, we got your back. We're going to provide for you. We're going we're gonna to be the wind in your sails. We have been blessed with resources. Uh, every time I see these stats, it kind of blows me away. Uh, if you make 32 grand or more uh, in a year, you're in the top 1% of the world financially. Top 1%. If you make 10 grand or more in a year, you're in the top 10% in the world financially. So I, I'm pretty sure we have some teenagers who go to this church who would be in the top 10% of the world financially. You guys, we've, just, we've been blessed. We've been blessed with resources, and we are called to not let all those resources terminate on us. Like I think about in my life, like would I be so selfish to think that God blessed me with all these things just for me? You know, we gotta catch ourselves. Like God is calling us to let some of these things flow through us. It's not about the amount. It's not about the amount that you give. It's about what God is asking you to do. And so when we have a student that comes to us and says, hey, I feel called to give $50 to missions. You know what we say? Praise God. You heard from God. Now walk it out. If we have a student who comes to us and says, I feel like I'm called to give $1,000 to missions. You know what we say? Praise God. 
You heard from God, now walk it out. It's not about the amount, it's about you doing what God is asking you to do. And so our students are amazing. I could brag on them all day, but they, uh, they have a goal by this Wednesday, it's our big give, to give $25,000 to go to water wells. And then by the end of the year, they want to do $40,000. And so here's my challenge to you as their parents and as their leaders and as their church. Get on board. Get on board with the, the, the mission and the vision that our young people have caught. Support our young people in their desire to help people to meet people's needs, and ultimately so people can come to know Jesus. Buy the stuff they're selling. Hire them to rake your leaves. Help them reach their goals. And anytime you want, you can give to Speed the Light. You just go online and put, put Speed the Light on there, right? Because they have big dreams and big goals, and we got to support them. we got to come behind the next generation and say, we believe in what you're doing. We got you. We are here to support you. So how do we live with a missions mindset. We gotta open our eyes, we gotta go, we gotta support. And then there's one other thing that God calls us to do, to give everything. And so some of you may be saying, what, am I supposed to sell my house and empty my bank account and quit my job and move across the world? For some of you, maybe. But that's not what he's asking of us. He's asking us to give everything. Each morning we lay everything in front of him. We take our job and our kids and our money and everything. We lay it in front of him, and we say, have your way with it. Because that's what we do. Just like the song said, this is my surrender. And then we let him do a work in our life. And so let's say we take finances, and I just keep it behind me. Well, now God's not going to speak into that area of your life. You have to lay it down in front of him and say, God, what are you calling me to do in every aspect of my life? and then let him have his way. That's what it means to give everything. I want to close with uh, some quick scripture just to show you how amazing our God is and, and that he's still working in the same ways that he worked 2,000 years ago. Uh, this verse is the, from the story of the woman at the well, and so maybe you know that story. If you don't, go and look it up. But Jesus is at the well around noon, and all of a sudden a woman comes up to the well. And that's weird because they would normally go in the morning or the evening, because you don't go when the sun is directly in the sky when it's hottest. It's almost like he knew she'd be there at noon. That's a joke because he's God. He knew. <laughs> tough crowd. Tough crowd. He knew she'd be there at noon. So he's at the well. The woman comes up to the well, and they have this whole interaction. And uh, he speaks into her life, right? And, and she was there because she just wanted some water, right? She came to the well some water and what she was going to leave with was something she could have never imagined and this is one of my favorite verses from that interaction John 4 13 and 14 says this everyone who drinks this water the water in the well will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life I love this story so much because the woman came to the well for a physical need. And I love our God so much because he didn't dismiss that need. He let her drink from the well. He drank from the well. But then he also pointed her to something even greater than the physical. He pointed her to the spiritual. You guys, he's still doing that very thing today. These wells that are planted outside of churches in Oringa, Tanzania, people come because of the water, because they've never had clean water in their life. And they say, I just want to have clean water so my family can be healthy. And so they come to the well, and Jesus says, yes, 
take the water, drink the water. It's clean. It's good. And then he meets them in a whole new way and says, hey, I want to give you living water. And these people come to know Jesus. And so that's why I'm just so like, proud of our students because they've like caught that vision. They've seen like if we can provide a physical need and God speaks through that physical need to give them the spiritual need, well, that's the ball game. That's a kingdom mindset because our students see that people are going to be in, turn, in eternity because of a well. Our students give because 2,000 years ago, Jesus met people at the well, and he's still doing that today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that we live in a place where we can worship freely, where we have so much freedoms, and we have so many resources. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing this church. God, I pray that we would be a people and that we would be a church that doesn't just look in. God, help us to open our eyes to the things that are going on in our neighborhoods, in our, in our cities, our communities, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. God, we know we can't meet every need. So show us which ones we are called to, and then we're gonna get to work. God, I pray for every single person in this room. I just pray that you're speaking to them today. I pray that they would know that they are loved by you, and that they are called by you. But God, I also pray that they would understand that their faith shouldn't terminate on them. It should flow through them. It should affect the people that they interact with, and it should affect people on the other end of the earth who maybe don't have clean water. God, help us to see people in Imago Dei, in the image of God. God, I thank you for other cultures. I thank you for other languages, other ways of worship. God, I thank you for people that don't look like me, and God, I want to see it all because I know that that is what eternity is going to look like. So God, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this world. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this church and in our hearts. We love you. We praise you. And that's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning, Homestead. If you do want to give to Speed the Light, uh, you can do that at any time. Just make sure you mark Speed the Light on there. Hope that you all have a great week.